The earth is filled with phenomena, some we've explained and understand, and some that are thus far unexplainable with modern science. One such phenomenon that we've explained is the aurora borealis, also known as the northern lights. We understand what causes the beautiful colors to dance across the sky. We understand why it only happens in specific places, and we understand what it means when it's visible outside of those places. We understand the science behind the aurora borealis, but it's still a natural phenomenon that has maintained a sense of mystery and intrigue into the modern age. For thousands of years, people did not know what caused the lights or what they meant and the cultural interpretations of the lights are broad. Some of them are related to religion, while others are related to activities that supported communities, like hunting. Some are heartbreaking, while others are funny. People across thousands of years, from very different parts of the world, all had their chance to experience the lights and develop their interpretation based on what else was going on in their community at the time they saw the lights. Even today, people from all over the world flock to see the lights. So, what are the Northern Lights, and what do they mean to us? When I say that we understand what causes the aurora borealis, what I actually mean is that science understands what causes the aurora borealis. I don't fully understand the lights, because the phenomenon involves a lot of energy transfer between atomic particles. But I'm going to do my best to explain what causes them. So, as we all know, the sun is hot. Really hot. The sun's core runs somewhere around 27 million degrees Fahrenheit. The further you get from the sun's core, the more the temperature drops. Once you reach the surface of the sun, it's around 2.5 million degrees. Then, as you go out further into the sun's photosphere, it drops to a toasty 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. This is the first layer of the sun where we can see visible light, which means this is also where sunspots occur, which can drop to around 7,300 degrees Fahrenheit. The next layer is the chromosphere, which is the red ring you see around the moon during a total solar eclipse, and it's about the same temperature as a cool sunspot, about 7,800 degrees. Then once you reach the next layer, the corona, the temperature rises drastically, running as low as 1.7 million degrees and as high as 17 million degrees Fahrenheit. All of this heat is caused by the non-stop chemical reactions occurring on the sun at all times. The more heat you have, the more reactions you have, which means that all the layers of the sun are energized and volatile. All of these particles are colliding and reacting with each other, but the sun is not static. 
It's constantly in rotation. And so sometimes these energized particles are thrown out of the sun's atmosphere through holes in the sun's magnetic field. The solar wind caused by this pushes the particles to the earth with the help of convection currents from the sun's core. The magnetic field of the earth is able to deflect most of these particles, but when the particles collide with the earth's magnetic field, they are sometimes able to descend down the Earth's poles. They collide with oxygen and nitrogen in the Earth's atmosphere, which then excites molecules into high-energy states. When they release this energy, it appears as light. Green is the most common color of the lights. Green and yellow shades are caused by particles colliding with oxygen, while red, purple, and pink are caused by collisions with nitrogen. If you didn't know, the aurora borealis has a counterpart, the aurora australis, also called the southern lights. Scientists have discovered that these lights usually appear at the poles as mirror images of each other. The southern lights are rarely seen compared to the northern lights, though, because they're located mainly around Antarctica and the far southern Indian Ocean. The best places to see the northern lights are in the northernmost parts of Canada, like the Yukon and Northwest Territories, as well as the southern tips of Greenland and Iceland. And if you happen to be in the waters north of Siberia, you'll also be able to see them there. The lights peak on a cycle about every 11 years, meaning we're due for a peak sometime around 2024. They're best viewed in complete darkness, meaning that areas with high levels of light pollution or places subject to the midnight sun make it more difficult to see the lights. They're almost impossible to see during daylight. During strong solar events, the lights have been recorded as far south as New Orleans, Louisiana. They've even been spotted in China, Japan, Russia, and multiple parts of Europe, even as far south as Italy, Greece, and parts of the Middle East. In Roman mythology, Aurora was sister to Helios, the sun god, and Selene, the moon goddess. Aurora was the dawn, traveling across the sky in a multicolored chariot to mark the beginning of a new day. The Greek goddess of dawn was named Eos, and Aurora became the Roman interpretation of her. So, the lights became named after Aurora because of her association with light and beautiful colors. Borealis translates to northern, while Australis translates to southern. While it's possible that the ancient Romans saw the lights at some point, it's more likely that the association between Aurora and the Northern Lights was drawn later. In Lapland, the northernmost territory of Finland, there was a mythological creature called the Fire Fox. This fox would appear solid black in daylight, but at night its tail would twinkle with flames. Its fur would shimmer when it brushed against something. 
Firefox pelts were highly sought after and were said to be able to sparkle in such a way that they could be used to light up a darkened space instead of having to use fire. Some people in Lapland claimed that the northern lights were caused by the Firefox dashing across the snow, kicking it up behind him as he ran. Others claimed that the sparks from his tail were lighting up brush as he ran, and the reflection of the shimmering flames accounted for the lights in the sky. Some people in Lapland also believed that the lights were the shimmer of water blown into the sky from whales. In Norway, the northern lights were sometimes associated with Valkyries, brave warrior women who had fallen in battle. It was believed that the lights were the reflections from the women's shields as they traveled quickly toward Valhalla. These spirits would lead heroes to Valhalla to join Odin's feast. There was a strong association between the Aurora Borealis and the Bifrost Bridge, which was a bridge of rainbow light that connected Midgard, also known as Earth, to Asgard, the realm of the gods. This bridge allowed the gods to travel to and from Midgard quickly in case they were needed. In Sweden, they called the Aurora Borealis Silblixt. This word translates to herring flash. The lights were believed to be caused by reflections of large schools of fish. Under the lights, fishermen would scramble to ensure they came across the large catch in time to bring the haul back to their village or their family. Other parts of Sweden believed that the lights were a gift from the gods, these benevolent gods provided a volcano to the far north that provided both light and warmth to the people. In Scotland, the lights were sometimes called the Merry Dancers or the Nimble Men. It was believed that the lights were caused by battles between the spirits of warriors or fallen angels. These battles were believed to result in a type of stone called heliotrope but known to the Gaelic Scots as bloodstone. This stone is usually made from opaque green jasper spotted with red hematite, so it looks like the green stone is spotted with blood drops. Further into the Middle Ages and beyond, the lights became associated with bad omens. Some even claimed that the skies in the United Kingdom shone a bright red in the days leading up to the French Revolution. Coincidentally, the French also associated the lights with bad omens long before the French Revolution happened. The French and Italians believed that the lights were heralds of bad news, marking anything from famine to disease to war. In Denmark, the belief surrounding the lights was that they were swans who decided to have a competition to see who could fly furthest north. Having gone too far north, some of the birds became trapped in ice, and the panicked flapping of their wings while attempting to break free kicked snow and ice into the sky, creating the colorful display. In Iceland, it was believed that the lights would alleviate the pain of childbirth. But if the laboring mother looked at the lights, then the child would be born cross-eyed. 
In Greenland, the lights were also associated with childbirth, but were believed by most to be the spirits of stillborn babies or infants that died shortly after birth. In China, the lights have been associated with many stories of Chinese dragons. Some believed that the lights marked battles between good dragons and evil dragons. The lights themselves were the fire breathed across the skies by the dragons as they battled. In Japan, the belief surrounding the lights has two variations with slight differences. Some people believe that any child conceived under the lights would be blessed with a life of good fortune and health. Others believed that any child born under the lights would be subject to this blessed life. The Anishinaabe people, namely the Algonquin and the Ojibwe, in the northern U.S. into Canada, believed that the lights were a fire created by their creator god, Nanabusu, to show the Algonquin that he was always watching over them and would not abandon them. The Cree tribe believed that the northern lights were the spirits of deceased loved ones. These spirits would attempt to communicate with their living family and friends via the lights. Many Inuit peoples believed that the lights were a ball game being played between the spirits of deceased people. This game of ball was played with the skull of a walrus. At least one tribe, however, believed that the lights were a game of ball being played between the spirits of walruses. And of course, these walruses used a human skull as their ball. Turnabout is fair play, I guess. Other Inuits believed the lights were the spirits of animals they had hunted, including whales, seals, deer, and various types of fish. The Macan Native Americans believed the lights were caused by the fires being burned by a tribe of northern dwarves. These fires were used by the dwarves to boil whale blubber. The Mondan Native Americans also believed the lights were fires from faraway people, but they believed these fires were used by warriors to boil their enemies. The Minomine Native Americans believed that the lights marked the location of a race of spirit giants called Menabaiwok. These giants were formed from the spirits of the greatest fishermen, hunters, and warriors. In Estonia, the people believed that the aurora borealis was caused by chariots or carriages being drawn across the sky on the way to take celestial guests to a wedding or a party. The southern lights, although rarely seen, were occasionally seen by people in Australia and New Zealand. The Maori people in New Zealand believed the lights were torches or campfires of far-off people. Many of the First Nations people of Australia also believed the lights were gods dancing or traveling overhead. The northern and southern lights are an exceptional example of something that is experienced by dozens, if not hundreds of cultures, but each formed their own understanding of the phenomenon. The cultural variables that play into forming meaning behind natural occurrences are obvious when viewing beliefs surrounding the lights. Although many groups of people attributed the lights to fire or spirits, 
they each develop their own version of what these spirits or fires may be doing, or what they may want or represent. The differences between many beliefs make stark contrasts against each other. Some associated the lights with luck, and others misfortune and loss. Some believed they were benevolent or able to relieve pain, while others believed they were malevolent. Some associated them with life, while others believed they represented death. There are only a handful of phenomena that are experienced across such a broad audience of people, so the auroras give insight into the creativity of people, as well as cultural considerations between people groups. Even comparing the differences between people on the same continents or in the same geographical areas, like First Nations peoples of the Americas or First Nations peoples of Oceania, the differences in views prove the strength and importance of beliefs, histories, and storytelling in maintaining cultural identity. Oftentimes, we're guilty of grouping people into broad categories, causing erasure and diminishment of their heritage and identity. If there's one thing we can all take away from the natural occurrence of the lights, it's that creating equality while maintaining identity allows for all of us to experience enrichment and appreciation of others' cultures and beliefs. Thanks for joining me for this episode of WISE. Please help me continue to make more content by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash wisepodcast. You will get access to the special patron-only episodes and content when you become a patron. I just put a new episode up today. If you have suggestions or requests for future episodes, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at awisepodcast or email me at awisepodcast at gmail.com. I will be taking a break next week to allow for more time to celebrate the holidays with friends and family, social distancing style, of course. Join me for a new episode on January 2nd, and if you become a patron, you'll have access to previous patron episodes as well as a new episode released at the first of the year.